0: So what are some of the ways that you communicate with the ones that you love? You text. Um, Some of the kids today are doing Snapchat. Um, Very dangerous um, application for your phone. But they're communicating that way. Back in the day, and I I shared this last week. Back in the day, we wrote letters. We just, and and then we... Those letters and the and a a man in a in a in a uniform delivered those letters to our mailboxes and then we were able to read those and respond and you know it's just a kind of a foreign world nowadays with instant everything but we have these these wonderful ways of communicating with the people that we love with family with close friends, our BFF, or our significant other, our spouse, or whoever. And it's kind of a, it's a cool thing. Um, but what if that communication stopped? Yes. You, you ever been in a, so you, you're, Michelle, you're saying yes, I, I don't want to hear, <laughs> I, I don't want Michael to communicate with me. No, what if the communication stopped between you and the one that you said you loved? What then? Ever been in a relationship where um, suddenly you don't get any responses anymore? Or you're sending letters off and the letters aren't coming back? Well, I was kind of on the opposite side of that back, back in the day. I had a girlfriend in a long-distance relationship and she was sending me letters and I would send her letters. And then little by little, I started sending less letters to her. And, I, uh, and eventually... Um, Eventually, the relationship shrivelled up and died, because I was no longer communicating with this girl. Kind of a sad story. I don't like to tell it. Um, I'm embarrassed by it because she didn't deserve that. Um, okay, so what does that have to do with anything? Prayer. Prayer is our mode of communication to God. We talked last week about God communicating with us through His Word. God, God's Word is like a love letter, a very long, complicated, and very diverse love letter, but He wrote it and communicated it to us because He loves us. And now, He has given us the opportunity to communicate back to Him. And we do that through prayer. It was such a big deal for Jesus and His disciples that His disciples at this point in their their lives and in following Jesus and in Jesus' ministry, that they, they had a question for Him. They asked Jesus to teach them about prayer. I want us to look at that I want us to discover um, some, some, uh, some truths, yes, but I also want to challenge all of us. I, my, my desire would be that we walked out of here today not with more knowledge about prayer, but that we're motivated to go do it, to pray in secret, to pray in community, to pray with our, our spouses and our children. To pray with boyfriends and girlfriends. I mean, if you're in a dating relationship, you know, uh, make prayer a part of that relationship. But that we actually do it because we love the God who saved us and has opened the door wide open for us to be in His presence. Uh, okay. Let's look at these these four verses. Before you settle in too deeply, I know we're, we're, we're in the mode of, of the message, but... Um, I've been doing this recently and I, I'm going to keep doing it, so just be ready for it. Grab your phone, grab your device. Would you stand with me as we just look at these? And I read these first four verses of Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Father, this is your word to us today. Now, God, uh, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my, my heart be pleasing in your sight. Uh, oh, God, uh, my rock, my redeemer. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I want to I talk about two things. Two, uh, just This is a two-point message. Um, I'm not trying to cheat any of you, but this is just kind of the way this worked out. In this message, I want us to to, um, look at a mentor for prayer. Actually, more specifically, the mentor for prayer. And a model for prayer. A mentor and a model for prayer. Hopefully, you can remember that. Those are easy words. And I use an alliteration because that's what preachers do. Um, But look at how it starts. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Okay? Okay. You see, you see the mentor for prayer there? There's a mentor. There's somebody that the disciples were looking up to. They were following this man. This man who was not just a man, but he's the God man. And they're following him. They're learning from him. Uh, Jesus is teaching them all kinds of things. And they are watching him and observing him. And they're saying, wow, Jesus has this crazy, awesome prayer life. Here was Jesus praying in a certain place. And we don't have the words of His prayer written down here. But in, I don't know, how many places? Um, six, seven, eight, nine different places in just the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is praying, specifically, like His words, or He says He's praying, or Luke says He's praying. It, it just, it's just, prayer is all over in Jesus' life. Now, I'd like to preach about how Jesus as God in the flesh prayed, and so we ought to too, but that's not really the point of this particular message. But think about it. Just ask the question, if Jesus felt the need to pray, perfect, sinless, Son of God, what makes us think that we can get by in this life without prayer? And that's all I'm going to say about that. But just think about that. Here's Jesus, he's praying, and the disciples see this is important. This is a priority for Jesus. So, when he finished, one of his disciples, he's unnamed, we don't know who it is, says, Lord, teaches us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So, this is interesting. This verse is unique in all of the Gospels. It is the only time that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something. Really? Check it out. Read the Gospels. And you know. let me know if I'm wrong. This is the only time that the disciples said, teach us something. We want you to teach us about this. And that thing that they wanted to, Jesus to teach them about was prayer. They didn't say, teach us how to grow our church. <laughs> teach us how to manage our time. Teach us how to study the Old Testament. Boy, I, I would have loved to, you know. Well, Jesus did teach them about that, but they just never, we, we don't have a record of them asking. But here is the only recorded place where the di- disciples are saying, Teach me about this. And it's prayer. And then they reference John. says, Look, John, teach us like John taught his disciples. Who's John? John the Baptist. John the Baptist, is Jesus' cousin. And had a ministry prior to Jesus. And it was a very short ministry. He like blew up this mega church. And then he retired. And he said, okay. Now you all just go follow Jesus. Well, he didn't exactly retire. He did get arrested and got his head chopped off. But there's that too. It, he, but he said, I'm going to diminish. Jesus is going to increase. You all need to be. The reason why I'm here is so that you'll start following Jesus but in the course of John's ministry he taught his disciples to pray and here's what rabbis did here's what teachers did they said okay this is our thing this is who we are this is our identity I'm going to teach you these things you're going to follow me you're going to do what I do you're going to walk in my steps you're going to wear the kind of clothes that I wear you're going to say the kinds of things that I say it's pretty detailed that's how they taught you just observed and you did what they did and and you obeyed what they said and in the course of that, they would give their followers a prayer. And they'd say, this kind of prayer, this, is, this prayer defines who we are. This is a prayer that we are going to pray together every time we, we we gather, every time we meet, every time um, we're ready for this certain thing, we've got this particular prayer. That's what they did. And so John taught his disciples a, a particular kind of prayer. and And the other, I think, Jesus' disciples were maybe feeling a little bit like, "Gosh, I don't know we're we're not really getting the full meal deal here jesus, why aren't, why don't you teach us to pray too we We want a prayer, we want something that's going to define us as a community. We want something that we can pray together, then we'll have these words to repeat. and so Jesus says, okay i'll I'll give you that so uh, what are some things that we can? We can, we can get from that. We have a, uh, we have a mentor for prayer. And um, one of the things, one of the principles um, kind of that, that, that stuck out to me, It kind of popped out at me is, is I noticed that in, in just that part of this story that the closer we get to Jesus, the more our desire for prayer grows. Would you say that's true? I, 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 it's been true in my life. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I get in His Word, the more I learn about Him, the more I, I realize what kind of Savior I have, the more that compels me, it, it draws me to God's presence. I want to pray. I, In fact, I, I, I teach me to pray. I want to know how to pray more. Because I want to be closer to this God who saved me. So the closer we get to Jesus, the more our desire for prayer grows. But then there's the other side of things. Where's your desire to pray? I mean, do you pray very often? Do, is, it, is it an afterthought? Is it just something you do? You say a few words at bedtime because, you know, the kids need their bedtime prayers. Or you're, you pray before a meal because that's what we always do. And besides that, when we're at Denny's and we're all like getting our food, we can pause and we can say, well, let's say a prayer. Because then other people will think, oh, those, those people are very good, pious Christian people because they're praying before their meal. We pray like that, most of us. But do we stop in the middle of the day and go, you know what, there's a lot of stuff going on in my life. You know what I really need to do? I need to pause, turn the TV off, silence the cell phone, put it aside, and find a quiet place to be with God. That's a rarity in most of our lives, I would say. Now, you may, uh, may be different, you may be on a different journey, but I'll tell you, it's, it's been a struggle for my life especially especially somebody who's grown up in the church and hearing as a child read your bible pray every day and you'll grow 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 and you know learn a little sunday school ditties and you think well there you go it doesn't change for us who are adults we're not little sunday school kids anymore but the fundamentals never change just like the ball players who are greasing up their gloves, they're stretching out, they're buying their plane tickets, they're packing their duffel bags, getting ready to go off to spring training here in about a month or so. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to throw the ball, they're going to catch the ball. Then they're going to throw the ball, and then they're going to catch the ball. And then they're going to limber up, and they're going to keep their eye on the ball, And they're going to hit the ball. And then they're going to run to first. And then to second. And then to third. And then to home. Because those are the fundamentals. You know, you learn that when you're in t-ball, it doesn't change when you grow up. And so it's the same thing with prayer. And so, if you are feeling, ah, prayer is just a drag. Or, "Mm, I don't really feel like doing it. Or, I just don't do it. Remember that it's the fundamentals, it's the essential, it's an essential part of our, our relationship with Jesus. And and let it motivate you. You know, do that little do that little check in your life. That little um you know, when you when you check the oil <laughs> in your daughter's car and and the dipstick is totally bone dry and you go, hmm, maybe I should intervene here, you know. Check the dipstick of your spiritual life. And if it's bone dry, then start getting into prayer. And listen to Jesus and listen to his his model for prayer. And this is it. He said to them, when you pray, say. This is an interesting thing. Because in Matthew, the, the words sound familiar, right? but you're like, ah, aren't there some phrases missing here? What's what's up with Luke? I mean, or what's up with Jesus? Uh, he, Jesus probably, um, probably taught on prayer many times, certainly in this instance, and other times when the disciples weren't asking and there were larger crowds around, he would teach like the Sermon on the Mount. And undoubtedly, every time he shared uh, about prayer, he may maybe switch some words out, leave a few words out here and add a few there. Um, teachers... Teachers can do that. Teachers have the right to do that. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, there are several more words. And in that passage, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. He says, pray like this. This This is a way you can pray. And in here, He says, say these words. It's interesting. But He gives us a model or a pattern for prayer. And this prayer... Is a is a couple things. One, it is God-centered. It's a God-centered prayer. It's a God-focused prayer. It's uh, you, in the if I use the old English terms. It, there's vow. There's a vow pra- uh, part of the prayer. Thou art holy. Hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Right. It's Thou. It's it's about God. It's focused on God. But then there's there's an us or a we part of the prayer. There's a, there's a real practical part of the prayer. We're praying for real things in this prayer. And I think that's a significant part of what Jesus is trying to teach them. So, He begins by saying this, when you pray, say, Father. Why is that significant? Why not mighty God? Why not, you know, God of the universe, or Jehovah, or Yahweh, or, you know, using these proper words, uh, titles, um, phrases, especially the Old Testament phrases. I don't think Jesus is saying don't use those, but I think he is saying something very significant about who we are in relationship to the God of all things. God is our Father. We have access to him. Um, when I was a when I was a boy, my dad had this office in the kind of a I guess they call it a a, a daylight basement or something you know half of it was buried up against you know and then the ground sloped down and the other side of the basement opened up into a backyard and had, you know. But down in that basement, <laughs> my dad had an office. Um, used to be my grandfather's office. Um, but when we moved in with my grandmother um, into that house, I grew up in that house, uh, lived with my grandmother for a while after my grandpa died. Um, it became my dad's office. And uh, it was a place for him to study. Um, and I knew that it was... It was kind of the uh, uh, the holy of holies, you know. Kind of, you know, don't bother Dad too much. But if there's something going on, if there's something I needed, I could knock on that door, and go, Dad, Dad, and he'd go. He'd be poring over his Bible and his books, and he's reading. He goes, yeah, come on in, and I could go up to him and say, Dad, I I wanted to show you something, or I I have a question, or could you help me with this? And uh, very often, sometimes it was. It was, I just wanted to go in there because that was, where, that was where my dad was. And I wanted to see him and I wanted to spend time with him. And, and I wanted to show him something I had drawn or done or, or share a funny joke that I heard because my dad and I, we do that a lot. We, uh, we share jokes. But, but I knew I had access to him. And it was a pretty cool thing. I, it, you know, that's, that's an earthly relationship that was pretty good it wasn't always good, especially as I got older and, and I started um, knowing everything. Um, but that's like. It's like. It's a pattern. It's, it's, it's an example, an earthly example, uh, not a perfect example of God the Heavenly Father. God, it, or Jesus says, pray Father. In, in Matthew, it's our Father. The collective, together, He is our Father. And we pray to Him. He's, uh, this word Father is probably a Greek translation of this Aramaic word, Abba. Which is that He's my dad. He's my Father. This is personal for me. Why? Well, John chapter 1. Verses twelve, thirteen says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We have been born again as His children by faith in His Son Jesus. Now, we call the God of everything, Father. That's a big deal. Let me change the illustration up a little bit. Anyone have any heroes? Literary heroes, um, sports heroes, uh, maybe um, uh, pastor, preacher heroes, or ministry heroes, or, or people like that. Uh, maybe they're personal Maybe you have personal heroes like, my dad was my hero. Um, That's cool too. But imagine your favorite sports star. You don't know him personally, but you get a chance to meet him. Or let's say you got a chance to meet the president. I love this illustration, especially now. (laughs) This is pretty exciting. Imagine meeting the president. and, um, And Don's like, Hey, you know, great to meet you. You know, I, uh, how you doing? How you doing? Let's, let's, have, let's have dinner together. I mean, we'll, we'll eat and we'll have the spread. It'll be huge and all this stuff. And so you, you sit down and you, you have this meal and, and you're like, wow, the president. You know, I'm, ah oh, wow, this is my, I mean, I'm starstruck and he, this is the ruler of the free world and etc. etc. And you're just amazed by all of this. And then he says, Hey, let's keep in touch. Here's my cell number. I mean, if you got your your cell number of like your hero, maybe it's not the president. <laughs> Work with me here. Work with me. But you've got you've got the you've got the cell phone number, the personal cell of your hero and he or she is saying call me anytime. Would that be a big deal? Of course it would be. You'd be going, you'd be walking away from that. You'd be like sending him like little like thumbs up emojis and things like that. And then and would be like, "Hey, like this is my this is my friend. This is the person this this person is now in my life and I can contact him anytime." I would you go, "Ah, forget it. He's so big and important. He doesn't want me bothering him." Or her. Yes, that's probably exactly what you would think. But that's not God. Do you understand? That's not how God wants us to, to be towards Him. He's not, he's not saying to us, "I'm big and important, but you know, I'm trying to be nice." God doesn't give us prayer because He's just trying to be nice to us and be socially polite, and then we're going to be polite to Him and not bother Him. That's not God. Jesus went to the Father over and over again, and then He told us, you can call Him Father too. He's my dad, but He can be your dad too. And that's how you need to come to Him. He's never too busy for His children. When we come to Him, that's the first thing. The very first part of the prayer is... Addressing him in the right way, coming before him as a child, not as somebody who's got it all figured out, not as as he's uh, in Matthew chapters. Oh, I don't know what it was. Matthew chapter um, uh, nineteen. Not, not like people are coming to him, um, questioning him, and trying to figure out, trying to test him. Well, God, well, what about this? Well, what about that situation? Well, you know, the Bible says this, but not like, not like the people who are coming to him, just wanting God to say to them, "Yes, I approve of your life and your lifestyle. It's all good." Not like the people who have self um, uh, self righteousness, or they've got it all figured out, or or they are sufficient in and of themselves. But to come to him like little children, because that's how we come to our God, our Father. Little children, no agenda. We just want to be with our dad. And that's how Jesus begins. The prayer. Say, Father. Then, then here, he says, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Uh, he's, he's saying, may your name be made holy. How? Isn't his name already holy? Isn't, doesn't he already have a... a a great name, a holy name. That's who He is. He always does what is good and right and perfect. That's who God is. So why are we praying that He be who He is? Because in your life and in lives of people around us and in this world, that is not the truth. People don't revere God. They don't, they don't, Uh, sanctify his name. They don't consider God's name and reputation to be great. This Sunday, around the world, or at least in the U.S., churches are remembering something called Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. What does that mean? Here's an example of a way in which God's name is not holy in our world. So I tread lightly here because it's a very sensitive subject. But abortion on demand, the termination of a human life inside of a woman has been legal in this country for 45 years? Or so. That's just an example of in this world, God's name is not being made holy, and not revered. God, through Jesus, says, "You can come to me. Come to me, all who are weary." heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come with your problems. Come with your, your mistakes. Come with your beliefs. Take my yoke upon me. Take my teaching upon you. Pray this way. Hallowed be your name. We need God's name and reputation to be made holy in our own lives. And in our church, the community, this collective prayer is for our community and in our world, all around us. It is not a throwaway phrase to breeze through as we get to, well, here's what I really want to talk about. My problems, God. Your kingdom come. This is, (laughs) this should be God's kingdom right here where we gather, where the flag, where his flag is posted and we say, this is where our allegiance lies. In God's kingdom. Not in man's kingdom. Not in our own kingdom. Not in somebody else's. This is where our allegiance lies. We are saying, God, you rule all things in heaven and on earth. But there are people who are rejecting Your rule. There are people who are rebelling against Your kingship. And God, we want You to come. We want You to reign. Now, we anticipate this when Jesus comes again. We anticipate in our prayers and in our lives and in our devotion of service to Him, we anticipate that one day God will send Jesus back again and He will establish His earthly kingdom and He will right all the wrongs. But in the meantime, we're saying, God, may Your kingdom of kingdom of light dispel the darkness in my heart and in my family and in this church and this city and this nation and world, wherever we happen to be that's the kind of prayer that Jesus is asking us to pray. That is the that is the, the the vow, the god-centeredness of this prayer. The god-centeredness of the prayer doesn't really end in the next few phrases because it it just shifts to a different kind of facet. We we start to think now and he says now pray this, give us each day our daily bread. Well, what does that mean? I can't believe how how many uh commentators uh, have disagree on on what that means? Like one says this, one says that. I'm like, how many different options can there be? Um, the 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 big deal there. And here's what it reminds me of. Here's what it reminds me of. Um, the dependence that God's people had on Him when they came out of Egypt. What did God do? For the people. How did, God, how did God sustain them? How did God provide for, him, for them? Every morning they woke up and there was like a, 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 a layer of crackers or something on the ground. And they went, what is it? And they said, that's a good name. We should call it that. Manna. You know, that's Hebrew for what is it? So they called it manna. And every day they gathered up the what is it, and they ate it for that day. And, and they were told, now, only collect, only gather up enough for that day. And some people said, well, I don't really trust God that He's going to provide for the next day, so I'm going to gather up more. So they gathered up more, and they put it in their Tupperware, and they said, I'll, we'll save it for tomorrow. And then they opened it up the next morning, and it was spoiled. It was only good for that day. Every day, they would go back to God. Every day, they would show their dependence on Him. Every day, they would show that they trusted Him. And every day, God provided for them. Until the day, they literally stepped foot into the promised land and they ate of the bounty that God had already prepared for them. That's our lives. That's who we are. That's, as followers of Jesus... As God's children, we are totally and absolutely dependent on him. And that's how we ought to pray. Pray dependent on him. Pray trusting in him. You know, there's nothing that d- demonstrates in to my mind that somebody trusts God and that they have they live a life of trust to God than Prayers. When I, when I encounter those of you in the, in, the, in the church who are saying, would you pray for me? When you, when you ask somebody to pray for you, when you say, here's a need I have, here's something going on in my life, would you pray for me? I don't think, wow, that's, boy, they're a selfish person. They're needy. Boy, they're, all, they're always asking me for, for prayers and, and all, what am I going to do? No, that's not what I think. But you know what I do think? I think that person is trusting God right now and realizing that they have a need that only God can meet. So when when you offer up your request and you say, here, pray about this, you're trusting God. When you go to somebody else and say, would you pray for me about this? In fact, would you pray for me right now? Have you ever done that? I hope so. I, I, I came to a brother this week. I said, Brother, I, I, I want to share something with you. Would you, pray, would you pray right now for me? Not like, here's a prayer request. Think about it and then walk away and forget about it. Or put it in your journal. Maybe pray some other time. I'm like, I really need you to pray for me right now. In this moment. Right now. And I, I, felt, I felt a little bad and awkward about it. Why did I feel bad? maybe because i was making things all about me maybe he think i'm kind of a selfish person well i need i i need god and i asked him for that that's kind of the, that that's all wrapped up in give us each day our daily bread we're saying god help me for today it doesn't mean that we can't pray for tomorrow but jesus warns us against worrying about tomorrow the anxieties of tomorrow live in the now. You know that's kind of the the ringing uh, word that Jesus said, that's where God is wanting to meet you right now in the present. We can we can thank him for the past and we can hope in him and trust him for the future and sleep soundly every night because we know that he is the one who holds the future. But today Today is the day that he wants to meet us it's the present it's it's right here today that he wants to do something in our lives and wants to do that in and through our prayers the other the other thing that Jesus says uh, another us prayer is forgive us our sins and then he and then he gives a a reason for That prayer. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So what is is sins? Uh, the, the, The parallel phrase there helps to elucidate it. For us, Jesus meant our sins are a debt that we owe to God and to owe to others. That's what, that's what, in a sense, sins are. Now, sins, there's a, a lot of aspects of what, what sin is. But here, he's saying, sin is something that you owe to God. You know, you live your life a certain way, and then, guess what? It obligates you to God. You detour from His path. You disobey His rules. And then you incur a debt that needs to be paid. And Jesus says, pray for forgiveness. And he's not just meaning the one-time prayer, forgive me of my sins, make me a new creature, make me a new person, um, give me a new heart. Uh, th- that prayer of salvation. He's not just saying it's, it's that. It, this, is, this is a prayer, remember, that Jesus is saying, you ought to pray when you gather. You ought to pray this prayer often. Forgiveness is something that we experience every day as we go to Him and we confess our sins. We repent of the way that we're going and we turn towards Him. Forgiveness is something we need to keep our relationship with God good. So when, when I got into my dad's tools... And I found some, a hammer and I found some nails and screws and whatever else and maybe a, a little piece of scrap wood. And, and sometime during the day I thought, you know, it would be fun to kind of do this little project and kind of do my own thing. And, and I went and on the side of the house in the lawn next to the driveway, I just started pounding things into the, to the ground. And I thought, I don't know what I was thinking, but I remember doing it. I I, I was thinking I'm a little boy and sometimes little boys do things just, you know, it's just what they do. And then after I did it, I went, I don't think my dad's going to be very happy about that. And then it got a a little bit later in the day. The sun is starting to go down and I knew my dad was going to be home pretty soon. And I thought, you know what I should do? I should find a place to hide. <laughs> you know? Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. We talked about that in our missional community last Sunday night. Just like Adam and Eve, they're, they're hiding. They're hiding because they know they've done something wrong. And uh, did my sin make me not a child of, of, of my dad? Did it make me not his son? No. But it certainly disrupted our relationship, the fellowship that we had, the, the love that I felt. Um, it created a barrier between us, and that had to had to be fixed. And so when he did find out and find me in my room, said, "What's going on? <laughs> what are you doing?" I don't know. I just I don't have an answer. I just did it because I'm a boy. And then I asked for and received forgiveness. And all was well. And I could go on with my life. Sometimes we have to make restitution. And for me it was get out there, pry those nails up out of the ground and clean them off and put everything away and, you know, and try, to, try to correct the situation um, Forgive us our sins. Here's the thing, though. When we sin against God, um, there might be some restitution we need to make if, we, if, if our sin includes harming somebody else, but um, we can't fix our sin problem. Only God can. And he says, we for, as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, he's, Jesus isn't saying, pray this, be, you know, um, God will forgive you if you forgive other people. There's there's an aspect of that in our prayers and in our forgiveness. Um, God forgives us our sins against other people. But what is he saying there is, in the same way, we who are earthly, we who are evil, we who are messed up, even we will forgive people who have obligations against us. Even we do that. How much more will the Heavenly Father do it? So we ought to go to Him and pray and not go, well, I don't know if He can forgive this one sin. I don't know if He can forgive this pattern of behavior in my life. I don't know if He can really fix this. He can. And He will. And He does. Because He's a good Father. And He loves His children. But then it also makes us think, well, if God is going to forgive me my debts... Against Him, an infinite, holy being. Who am I to hold things against others? It challenges us as we pray this prayer and we ask Him forgiveness. It should remind us and convict us of the way we've been holding things against other people. And then we ought to do something about it. If we're harboring some ill will, If we're like, well, I I like that person to a point, but this really bothers me about them, and I just don't want to be their friend. There's no place for that in God's body, in His family. We can't be family. We can't be His church. We can't adopt this and say, this is going to be our prayer. And pray like that. While we have that kind of thing going on with others in our lives, so it challenges us to to offer the same kind of forgiveness that God gives. What is that forgiveness? Releasing of the debt. Releasing of the debt. I'm no longer going to hold you um, to task or accountable for that. I'm not. I'm no longer going to going to have an attitude or, an, or act towards you or say things towards you that make you think that you will be forever indebted to me. I'm going to release you of that. Because that's exactly what God does for us. And lead us not into temptation. This is a tricky one. Uh, nowhere does God, does the Bible say, God tempts, tries to entice us to sin. God doesn't entice us to sin. That's not what he's about. But this prayer is a prayer of, of again, trust, and, and, and uh, it's a cry of help. It's like, it's like those, those, those laments in the Psalms. God, help me. I've got this problem. I'm going through difficult circumstances. I may go through the valley of the shadow of death. I may go through a trial that, uh, that I, I won't know how to deal with. I don't want to go through that, but I know that's what life is all about sometimes. We, we go through trials, and in fact, we are tempted. What, what Jesus is trying to say to us in this, bring, lead us or bring us not into that situation in which we will lose faith or in which we will lose heart. We're asking God to always provide a way. When we're tempted to sin, God will provide a way of escape. Like, he, like we talked last week. The Word of God is powerful, living and active. We store up God's Word in our heart that we might not sin against Him. We love His law. It is our meditation all the day. God gives us that. We use that to fight against temptation. And this prayer is, is, is a cry to God saying, Help us do that. Help us fight that fight. And then when we go through trials, when a loved one dies, When we go through a financial uh, stress. When our house burns down. When terrible things happen to us. What do we do? We pray, lead us not into into temptation. Father, you're a good heavenly father. Lead us out of this. Lead us through this situation. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. When we're caught in a sin... And, and we know we're wrong. Lead us out of this, God. Bring wholeness again. Whatever it might be. How does this strike you as a model for prayer? Hmm? The Jesus went on and, and continued to teach and, and you heard David share that um, in our scripture reading he emphasizes persistence impudence as the ESV says he emphasizes that God is a good father he gives good gifts if we ask for something good he's not going to give us something evil and and the converse if if we ask for something evil he's not going to give it to us he'll probably say no that's not a good thing for you. But he is a good heavenly father who loves to give good gifts to his people. When I was, um, when I was preparing to go into college, um, I was preparing to go to college, I was only accepted to one university. Wo oh, tear. I was only accepted to one, one college or university, and that was central. So I'm like, well, I guess that's where I'm going. It's kind of a, There's a twist to this, right? I wasn't accepted to UW or was thinking about UPS or one of those or, or maybe Wazoo, you know, here on the east side of the, of the state. wasn't accepted to any of those, and you know why? Because I never asked. I never asked i never I never submitted the the applications. I just didn't. You know, I, you know God's will is perfect, you know He works things out according to His will, but we we do not receive because we do not ask, James says, and so in this next section, uh, Jesus said, Ask and you will and, or and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Have you ever stood outside somebody's house and went, "Why aren't they letting me in?" Well, don't be stupid. Don't be not smart. Knock. Of course, we never. I mean, we don't. We don't blame them for not opening the door when we don't knock. Don't blame God for what He's not doing in your life, if you're not knocking, if you're not seeking, and if you're not asking. And I think that one of the reasons why He preaches on persistence over and over again is not because He's like, I want to get you all riled up, and I want you to ask until you're you're going crazy, and then I'll finally go, okay, here you go. (laughs) Joke's on you. That's not God. Many times, we persist in prayer Because first, he's building something up in us. Do you really trust me? Or do you you just simply want things to go better for you? Do you really trust my plan and my purposes for you? Even if it means going through trials or or facing some temptations. So let's take this prayer, see Jesus as our mentor in prayer. He, He is. And let's see this as a model for our prayer and use it. Let me challenge you I don't do this very often, but I'm going to do this today. Let me challenge you to take this, the the words of this prayer and take it with you this week. Spend the rest of the week praying this prayer. Take one moment out of the day and let me ask you to do it together. Do it with your family or if you, you know, maybe in missional communities or in your discipleship groups and share it with them. Take this prayer And use it as a model for your prayer. Pray through it. Let it be a springboard to your own prayers, the things that God's got going on in your life. What do you need today? Pray that. You know, what are things that you need forgiveness of? Pray that. Confess those things together. What are some things that you're struggling with? Trials you're going through? Temptations you're facing? You're being challenged by certain things in your life right now. Pray those things. Together, take. Why don't you take this prayer and you actually use it? And maybe while you're at it, you might you might need to, to um, turn down the noise a little bit so you can tune in to God. Maybe there are just too many devices go in your house and they need to be silenced for a while so you can pray like this. I don't know. I don't know what that would look like for you, but would you do that? And let's pray to the God who loves us and the God who saves us and the God who has good things for us.